I will try to preach fast this evening. If you pray for me that I can preach fast, or you can pray for me that I'll hurry up and get done, whichever suits you. <clears throat> Daniel chapter 3. Some of you are still turning, I'll let you get there. Daniel chapter 3, it's a familiar story in the Bible. We've heard it from the time we've been young and in Sunday school and a very familiar story about the three Hebrew children, the Jews that stood up to Pharaoh and would not kneel at his idol, his statue that he's built up there. And I want to start reading in uh, verse number 7 of chapter 3, if you follow along with me, the Bible says, Therefore, at that time, when all the people heard the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the sultry, and all kinds of music, all the people, the nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar, had, the king, had set up. Wherefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came near and accused the Jews... They spake and said to the king Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. Thou, O king, hast made a decree that every man that shall hear the sound of the cornet, and the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, that he should be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. There are certain Jews... Whom thou hast set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in his rage and fury, commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up. Now, if ye be ready, at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the sackbut, the psaltery, and the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, ye fall down and worship the image which I have made well. But if ye worship not, ye shall, ye shall be cast the same hour into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of mine hands?" Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said unto the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this manner. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. Then was king Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and formed in his, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. And he commanded that the most high, the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their hose and garments and hats and their garments and other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent, and the furnace was exceeding hot, the flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let's pray this evening. Lord, I just ask that you'll be with me as I bring the message that you've given us tonight, Lord. 
God, I pray that you'll uh, <clears throat> that you'll bless it, Lord. That you'll that you'll be with us, God. We need your presence here tonight, Lord. Help me to preach. Help me not to say anything contrary to what you'd have us to say tonight, Lord. God, I pray that you'll apply this message to our lives, and Lord, I just ask that you'll be that you'll give us something from your word tonight. In Jesus' name, Amen. And we see that these men, uh, <clears throat> first of all, they stood up to the king. These men had been placed in positions of authority. These weren't just citizens or individuals who were out here and had came in. These men were over, they had been set over the affairs of Babylon. These men had been, been put into positions of authority and had been brought in with all the other princes and sheriffs and, and the Bible says counselors and, and all these men that were in authority under the king. And he brought them all in together and they all stood in front of this big image and they were the only three in that entire multitude that failed to kneel to that image. They stood their ground. They stood because they had a cause they stood because they had determined in their hearts that they were going to serve only the one true God. They were not interested in serving any other gods. They weren't interested in bowing to idols. And these men in positions of authority stood up and stood their ground against the king, knowing that it would be certain, certain, certain death for them. And they said in verses 18 of the passage that we just read that but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy guys nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. They believed that God had the power, God had that God could save them from this fire. They knew that some way God could perform a miracle or, or God could change the mind of the king or, or that somebody might come in, something might happen. Maybe, maybe there was a big bucket of water got dumped on the fire and got put out. Maybe whatever it was, God works in many ways. And they didn't know what God was going to do, but they knew that God had the power to save them. But they said, you know what? If God does not save us from this fire, if God does not take us out of this fire, we're still going to serve God. We're still going to love Him. We're still going to do what's right. The title of my message this evening is Standing Outside the Fire. Standing Outside of the Fire. I want to look at a couple different aspects of this this evening. One, these men were not unaccustomed to standing up. These men had, had went through trials in their life. These men had been taken from their home. The Bible tells us back in Daniel chapter 1 that they were captives. And they had came in. And the Bible says in Daniel chapter 1, I believe it's verse number, 18, number 8, Daniel chapter 1, that Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat the king's meat, nor the wine that he had given. These three men stood with Daniel. These were captives that had been brought in. They didn't have any rights. They didn't have any, any position to stand up and say, I don't want that. You're not feeding me that stuff. I don't agree with that. I was not raised that way. They were, in, they were captives. They said, this is what you're getting. Daniel took these three men. They, they prayed together. They made an appeal. And God blessed that. In chapter 2 of Daniel, it talks about how the king, Nebuchadnezzar, had a dream. And he didn't know what the interpretation was. 
So he called in all these wise men and he said, you need to tell me what the interpretation of this dream is. But here's the catch. I forgot the dream. You're going to have to tell me the dream too. And they said, nobody asked that. You need to tell us the dream and then we'll, we'll tell you what it means for certain, but you need to tell us the dream. And he said, no. And, and the king said, you know what, here's, go, here's what's going on. The king gets upset. He said, either y'all are worth your salt and you're wise men and you're going to be able to tell me my dream and tell me what it means or I need none of you. You're doing me no good. We're going to kill y'all. And the Bible says that they were all in danger of being destroyed. And that meant Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were all in that same boat with the wise men. They were all fixing to be destroyed. They came to Daniel and, they, and Daniel told him the situation. And, and Daniel went to these three men and he said, we need to pray. We need to ask God to have mercy on us. We need to have God give us the interpretation of this dream and tell us this dream. And God blessed that. And Daniel went before the king and he told the king, you know what, I cannot interpret your dream. But there is a God. There is a God. And He can do it. It's nothing of me. It's not us. But these men, had, they're used to being put close to the fire. They, they're used to being able to stand. There's been times, like I said, they were captives. They'd been taken from their homes. They'd lost all of their hopes and dreams. Anything that they might have had as young children or, or growing up, the, having a family or whatever it might have been, had all been stripped away from them. But still they stood. You say, well, were they serving in a blessing? Or not only serving during times of blessing, but also during tribulation. You know, it's easy that sometimes to stand and to serve God when others around you are standing and serving God. It's easy to praise God when somebody else is willing to sing a hymn with you. It's easy to sit down and pray for your meal when you've got three or four other people that want to bow their head with you. And somebody, everybody's waiting and they're holding their forks and they're saying, who's going to pray in a restaurant? But when everybody comes to the table and there's no... No need of that. And everybody just, well, let's start digging in. It, how, how easy for it? And this is a small thing, but how, how hard is it for us as Christians to say, hey, you know what, let me bless the food real quick. If y'all want to hang on just a second. Just to pray over our food. And ask God's blessing for it. It's easy when you're at home and you have your family. Or we're here at church. Or you're gathering with people like-minded. But what is it? it, It's harder to serve to stand when you're in tribulation. When others around you aren't seeing it the same way. Don't have the same standards or thoughts. Tell you tonight that If you're not willing to stand outside of the fire, you won't be able to stand in the fire. These men had already made up their mind. They had already determined when they were brought in there, and this was sprung onto them, 
They didn't have to panic. They didn't have to wonder, oh no, what are we going to do? It's right now. I mean, they, they didn't have two or three weeks or a month advance notice on this thing. They didn't have time to ask others to pray for them. I'm fixing to go through a battle. It was right now. They were all brought in. The Bible tells us that there was a herald that stood up and said, here's the deal. We're going to play music. Y'all are going to bow. Right now. They had to have their minds made up before they ever got there. That they were going to serve God. It's called fighting the battle before the battle. You need to know what you're going to do when faced in a certain situation. And you can't take and make up every scenario in your head and you can sit there and daydream all day long about things that you're going to do or what if I'm faced with this or what. You know what? You just need to have it made up in your mind that I'm just going to serve God. Amen. I'm going to do what's right. I'm sure these men threw up some prayers in a hurry. But they had already predetermined that they were going to serve God. They had already made up their mind to stand before they ever got close to that fiery furnace. They were ready to stand outside the fire. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse number 16. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Stand ye in the ways, and see, and ask for the old paths, where is a good way, and walk therein, and ye shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. People that don't have their mind made up are not going to walk in the ways of God. As a church, if we don't have our mind made up when faced with certain situations, if we have to stumble, if we have to think about it, you're going to kneel. You're going to end up kneeling. Trials will come. You're going to be faced with fire in your life. We need to fight the battle before the battle. Determine beforehand what you're going to do when faced with the fire. Do you have any standards in your life? Are you willing to stand? Or do you say, we will not walk therein? Ask yourselves tonight, where do I draw the line? Where do I draw the line? I had a man that I work with ask me here a while back about a year ago. These things are becoming real in America. With government overreach like we've never seen in our lifetimes. We're faced with socialistic, communistic governments that as a kid I heard about. But now it's real. Multitudes flooding towards it. When you read history about Germany and and some of these places, they voted this stuff in. They wanted it. Gladly. They gave up their arms. They gave up their families. They gave up their farms. They handed them over gladly for promise of security. And we think, how in the world could they not see America is on the doorstep? 
Where do we draw the line in our lives? This man asked me about a year ago. Whenever the mask mandate started coming out, he said, they're going to tell us we have to wear this at work. What are you going to do? I said, I don't like it. I don't want to wear one. You want to wear one? Help yourself. I don't want to. He said, you going to let them fire you over it? I said, I don't think I'm going to draw the line right there. I don't like it, but there's times that I've wore a mask. If I go to the doctor's office, I wear one. When, I was a, when it was mandated at work, I wore one. He said, what are you going to do whenever the shot becomes mandated? What are you going to do? I said, I'm drawing the line. This is something, you know, and I'm, sitting, I'm not telling anybody what to do or how to do this. I'm telling you that we have to have lines in our lives. Amen. You have to draw a line. Yes. That's one little, one little instance, one little scenario in our lives. I'm talking about our entire lives, our, 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 our homes and our families. Where do you draw the line? Do you have any standards in your, fam- in your home? What about dress? What about music? What about entertainment at your home? Where do you draw the line? What movie can we watch? What movie can we not watch? It's not a set of rules. It's not a set of I can do this and I can't do that. Brother Edge talked about this this morning. It's because of the love of God. Where do we draw the line? Where do we say, you know what, I'm not putting up with that in my home. We're not going to be listening to that kind of music in our home. We're not going to have these kind of movies playing on a TV screen at our home. I'm not going to have this kind of dress in our home. Where do you draw the line personally? Not only that, but education. Friends. For your health. Words, actions, deeds. Do you have any standards in your life? Are you standing outside of the fire? When the fire comes, do you have a standard? It's got to be something set up already beforehand. We think about Daniel whenever there was a, a law that was passed that you couldn't pray to anybody except for the king. Daniel was already praying. He didn't just start praying three times a day because he said, you know what, I don't like that junk. I'm going to show them a lesson. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to open my window up and see how you like this, O king. I'm going to do my praying. I'm going to take a stand for God. No. Daniel didn't change a thing. Daniel wasn't in rebellion. Daniel was already doing that. That's what I'm talking about. We have to have standards in our lives outside of the fire. We've got to take a stand before we're faced with the fire. So as Daniel was. In our, in our education, where do you draw the line? What are you going to allow people to teach your children? Whether it be at a school or whether it be at grandma's house. Or my aunt and uncle's house in Sunday school, wherever it is. What are you going to allow to be taught to your children? These are your children. God gave them to you. Not to anybody else. You are responsible. <clears throat> what about our faith? 
Do we have any standards? In our church, our personal service to the Lord, our songs, our Bibles, our doctrines, convictions, is there any standards? Are we just going with God's Word? Or are we going with what's popular? Or whatever the tradition is? What about in our nation, our freedom? Politically, do we have any standards as a nation? Do we have any standards individually? In our community, in our states, our laws, mandates, recommendations, are they moral and constitutional? Or do they just have to do with our pocketbook? Many times, I've heard people say, I disagree with this. I don't think it's right. But if it means more money in my pocket, I'm not going to buck it. I didn't vote for it. But we're eating steaks on Wednesdays. Where do you take a stand for what you know is right? Are you willing to give ground or compromise or comply or be conformed? 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12 Bible says, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. It's real easy to say this is what I'm going to do if I'm faced with the situation. This is what I think you should do in any type of scenario. But when it comes home, it's a little bit different story sometimes. When it's your family, when it's your job on the line, when it's your refrigerator that's getting empty, you can't pay the bills on your farm. Take heed lest you fall. Where do you draw the line? Are you willing to stand outside of the fire? Are we moved when it touches us personally? We need to stand when we're faced with the fire. We see these three men, not only did they stand outside the fire, they knew what they was going to do before they got there. They had a second chance. It was faced for them with them real. The king, standing face to face, said, I'll give you a second chance. We're going to play the song again. Maybe you didn't understand the first time. Maybe you've changed your mind. We're going to do it again. And if you want to bow down, well. If not, you know what's coming. They stood when faced with the fire. Paul said in Acts chapter 20, but none of these things move me. When faced with the fire, what does it take to move you? Do we stand or do we kneel? 1 
1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13 says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men and be strong. The absence of godly biblical men and women in America today is staggering. Just take a look around. You don't have to walk to a big city. You don't have to look very far. Men that don't even know they're men, they think they're women. That's how sad it's got. Used to, you just thought, what in the world's the matter with you? You've got an earring in your ear, feller. Now they've just toned totally opposite. But on top of that, biblical manhood in America, who's going to take a stand in your home? Who's going to take a stand for your family, for your children, for your wife? Who's going to take a stand? Mamas, who's going to stand up for what's right in your home? Maybe that means taking a stand against your husband. You better make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons. You better make sure God's on your side. What would it take to move you? In your marriage, in your home, what would it take to move you from a standard? What would it take to move you from godly biblical principles in your home? What if your wife, fellers, said, I've had enough. I'm not putting up with it no more. I'm sick of it. Either things are going to change or I'm gone. What's it going to take to move you? What if your children come to you and they say, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm sick of these rules. I'm sick of this church being crammed down my throat. I want to live the way I want to live. Are you going to move? Are you going to stand? What's it going to take to move you? Will you sacrifice godly biblical principles? Will you sacrifice the stand that you've taken your whole life? Will you sacrifice the things that God has shown you from His Word, convictions in your, in your, that God has given you? Will you sacrifice that for a relationship? Will you sacrifice that for peace? What's it going to take? We sacrifice these things for peace. We sacrifice them for, for not having any uh, uh, <clears throat> confrontations. We sacrifice these things for friends because we don't want to lose our friends. We sacrifice our stands for, for money. I don't know time and time again in the past year, I've heard so many people say to me, I don't agree with this. I don't like this. I don't want to comply with this. 
but I can't lose my job. What are you going to do? What about imprisonment? Where does it end? Death. What are you willing to sacrifice? Second Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 24. The Bible says, For by faith you stand. It's nothing in us. I pray God that when I'm faced with situations that would cause me to stagger from the biblical doctrines or biblical beliefs that I've stood for, that God would give me the faith to trust Him in that situation. God has given us examples in Scripture. So many times I know I'm guilty of it. I read the Bible and I say, you know what, this is the Bible, this is God's holy word. And and these, these men, these examples in Scripture, they're examples in Scripture. No. These were real life people. Same as me, same as you. They face the same situations. They face the same hardships. Even more so. I think about Job. He lost everything. His family. His finances. His health. His friends. Joseph was sold by his brothers. You know, we think about these sometimes as Bible stories. They're not Bible stories. Joseph was a real man. Can you imagine somebody in here tonight being sold by your brothers? Sold off into slavery. I've got a brother. I don't think he would do something like that to me because I think I can still whoop him. (laughs) But could you imagine being sold off into slavery? Drug off into a land that you know nothing about. And then being brought into a home, lied on, framed, imprisoned. And then sit there and be abandoned and forgotten by those that said they would help. Joshua. The Bible said in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He took a stand. It wasn't popular. Moses was turned on by the congregation over and over again. John the Baptist was beheaded. Paul was in prison, shipwrecked, beaten, and abandoned. We could go on and on. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 11 says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. In verse 13 that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. The Bible talks about having your loins girt about with truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet shod with the preparation of gospel of peace. 
taking the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and being covered in all prayer. We need to have Christ's righteousness, none of ours. We need to be ready to go. We need to be ready to give the gospel. We need to be trusting fully in Christ with our mind protected, not a hope-so salvation, but the Bible says we can know. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 27 says that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Philippians 4.1, stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. The next point that I want to look at tonight, standing outside the fire. When and how to stand. First of all, we need to be eternity minded. Count the cost. What's it worth to stand? We've heard... Stand up for yourself. Stand up for your rights. Stand up for your freedoms. Everybody wants to take a stand. We want to walk out and stand up. We want to have uh, what are, <clears throat> you know uh, demonstrations, and we want to have uh, all these things, and we want to take a stand. And you know what? That's great. But what is your motivation for standing? This is what it all boils down to: Is it temporal or eternal? Why are you taking a stand on this issue? Why are you going to stand about this situation? What is the eternal consequences? Are we just looking out for ourselves? You know what? Freedom is a great thing to stand for. There's a lot of people who died standing trying to defend our freedoms that we might be able to set here tonight. Don't take that lightly. But freedom in and of itself is nothing. can be taken away. What is that freedom? What are, you, what are you striving for with that freedom? So I can do whatever I want? So nobody can tell me what I have to do? What does your freedom mean to you? What do your rights mean to you? Are you taking it in, 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 in the eternal mindset? What does our freedoms mean to us? You know, that's a question that we need to talk think about. We don't just need to be, hey, I'm going to stand for this cause, or I'm going to march in this parade, or I'm going to, I'm going to do this because I think it's great. David said, is there not a cause? There's always a cause, but what is the cause? Because it's popular, it's the thing to do. I'm here to tell you tonight that if they can take away our freedoms in one area of your life, they can take away your freedoms in another area of your life. If they can tell me that I have to have a vaccination to be able to go to work, they can tell me I have to have a vaccination to be able to go to the church house. Or I have to have that to be able to go to the grocery store. And that's fine if you want one. Help yourself. I've got nothing against you. But why are you standing? 
What is the eternal consequences? You think about your future generations. Think about your other freedoms that can be taken away. That's God-given freedoms. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 says, We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. The devil works to focus on earthly, to have us focus on earthly things. We may be standing for the right thing, but for the wrong reason. Better know why you're standing outside the fire before you're faced and about to be thrown into the fire. If you're still in Daniel with me, verse number 24, I'm trying to close out. Verse number 24, Daniel, the Bible says, Nebuchadnezzar the king was a stone and rose up from haste and spake and said unto the counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. If you're standing for the right reasons, God's going to go through the fire with you. Amen. Amen. Verse 26, Then Nebuchadnezzar came near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth, come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth in the midst of the fire, and the princes and the governors and the captains and the kings and the counselors being gathered together saw these men, upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was a hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire had passed upon them. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who hath sent his angel and delivered his servants that trusted him and have changed the king's word and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that every people and nation and language which speak anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their house shall be made a dunghill because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the providence of Babylon. So the last thing I want to look at tonight, we've talked about standing outside the fire, but I want to talk about those that are standing outside the fire. When we're going through a fire, there's somebody outside looking in. Whenever God allows us to be placed in situations, when trials and tribulations come onto our lives, there's people outside looking in. There's a whole world of people that you may never know this side of eternity. How, what kind of an imprint that you've put in their lives? What kind of a, a, a help that you've been to them? Or what kind of a, 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 an example that you've been in their lives? Your children are standing outside the fire sometimes. That is, you go through a fire to protect your family and your home and your children and your wife are standing outside. Your young children, maybe even your adult children, standing outside looking to see how's daddy going to react to this situation? What's daddy going to do in this situation? I've seen daddy talk in my entire life that I would do this. I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to stand for this. This is what I would do if I'm facing this situation. And here it is. Let me see if daddy's real. 
You've got co-workers, you've got family and friends, people all over this world that are watching to see how are you going to react when placed in any kind of a situation. Whenever you're going through the fire in your life, how are you going to deal with it? I'm telling you tonight that you're going to go through fire. Maybe you've been through fire. Maybe there's more fire coming. What's people going to look at? Those that are standing outside the fire whenever you're going through it, what are they going to see? Are they going to see Jesus Christ? The Bible tells us these three men were going through the fire. He said he's seen Jesus Christ in the fire. When we're going through the fire, are people going to see Jesus Christ in our life? Are people going to look at you and say, how did you deal with that? Or do you have a testimony to be able to tell them, you know what, if it wasn't for my faith in God, I would not have been able to deal with that. It's nothing to me. People are wanting to know if your faith is real. At the beginning of this chapter, Nebuchadnezzar was saying, who is your God? And now we see him saying, it looks like Jesus Christ. It looks like the Son of God. There is no other God. The one true God, the mighty God. Just because the men went through the fire. He was standing outside looking in. The Bible says in verse number 27, the princes and governors and captains and kings and counselors, they were all gathered together. The Bible says that they saw these men. They were standing outside of the fire that these men were going through. They saw it. Who's looking at your fire? Lost loved ones, family, friends. Maybe people that you'll never meet. People are looking to see if you're going to take a stand or if you're going to just kneel. What are those people standing outside the fire see in your life? Have you drawn lines in your life tonight? Do you have any standards? Are you willing to stand? Or will you kneel when faced with a fire? What are you willing to put up with to avoid a fire? What are you willing to compromise or to comply with? Have you considered the cost in the light of eternity? What are your motives? When you go through the fire, who's standing outside? And are you standing for God or for self? That's what it all comes down to. Are we going to stand up for God or are we standing for ourselves? Are we looking out for our own rights? Are we standing up for God? Are we standing up for what's right? Now these men were careful to answer Nebuchadnezzar and say, there is a God. Amen. They gave him all the glory. 
In Luke chapter 21, verse 13 and 14, And it shall turn you for a testimony. Settle it therefore in your hearts, not to meditate before what you shall answer. Have you got it settled tonight? If you stand with me this evening...